0: Good morning. It is Friday, October 6th. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about Robin D'Angelo. This is the oh, author geez. of this book. Uh, she had this book on the New York Times bestseller. It's called White Fragility. And she said people of color need to get away from white people and have some community with each other.
1: So ba- basically what this woman does, she has made a fortune. Mm-hmm writing books saying you should feel bad because you're white yeah i mean basically that you are bad you should feel bad you're awful because you're white and she has i mean just made a gajillion dollars uh she is off off these books off this anti-racism training Mm -hmm. i mean it is a total total racket that she's got going on based on uh people's white guilt, right? I mean that's that's what it is. She mm-hmm. plays into people's white guilt that has been the seeds are planted in the public education system, et cetera. And she has just latched onto that and she makes a lot of money off this ridiculous feeling that you should feel bad based on something you had nothing to do with.
0: Right. So she has been hired by the Mayo Clinic to train healthcare professionals in racial equity.
1: <laughs> OK, so and what people need to realize is this is a, I mean, this is a grift, right? I mean, this is a woman who makes her money that is dependent upon you feeling bad about something you have no control over and the it would just essentially the color of your skin yep. you are guilty of something based on just being born with a certain characteristic which in the case of us would be that we are white people mm-hmm. so to her it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that one of my best friends is, is black. It doesn't matter that my wife is Hispanic. It doesn't, it, none of that matters, right? I'm I'm racist because I was born white. Yeah,
0: she's saying inherently no matter what you do. She claims that to be less white means you have to be less oppressive, less arrogant, <laughs> less certain, less defensive, <laughs> less ignorant, and more humble
1: you know so let's play this little clip of her this is some speech or some radio interview she done recently just mm. just listen to this garbage
2: Well, first let me just say I think all white people's households are racist because we're in a racist society. So so I don't actually think I'm any less or more racist than anyone else. And that includes Donald Trump, right? Like, there's nothing that comes out of his mouth that he's not speaking a foreign language. I recognize what he says. Uh, I was raised in the same culture. There's a difference between us and that he amplifies and embraces, and I seek to challenge and interrupt. But uh, it's not useful for me to point my finger at him and then exempt myself.
1: So, what can we just play the first? I don't know five seconds of that because I want to explore this for a second. Okay, sure.
2: Well, first, let me just say I think all white people's households are racist because True. we're in a okay, racist period, society.
1: Period period, period. period. So, like, my question to her would be: My wife is as Hispanic as Obama is black. Her her mother is white. Her father was Hispanic. Same way Obama's mother was white and his father was black so like is my wife is she racist I mean is she white or is she Hispanic like do you realize how like ridiculous this is
0: yeah well she's saying yes because all white households But
1: is she white or is she Hispanic? Like, I mean, her mother's white. Her Mm father's Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Obama was, we are told Obama was the first black president. So is my wife guilty of racism just for existing or does she get a free pass? No,
0: I don't, not in this woman's eyes. Nobody does (laughs) because your wife married you. (laughs) <laughs> Which means she's racist. I
1: would mean, like, think so think about my life. Again, like, one of my best friends is black. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is Hispanic. I uh, have had many uh, black people who have worked for me at various businesses I've owned over the years. I obviously work for a, you know, a black owned business now mm-hmm. but and get along great with my employers but I'm racist, Casey. Yeah. I, just by existing, yes, I'm a racist. And
0: that's her point, just by existing.
1: I believe in treating all people as you would like to be treated. I believe in, as Martin Luther King did, judge people on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Uh, get along with people from all walks of life. Now, obviously there's a lot of people I don't get along with, Casey, but it mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing to do with the color of their skin. I am the problem in the equation. She is actually
0: advising people. She's saying black people need to get away from white people. (laughs) That, to me, is encouraging the racism. It is. is. She's like a fan of segregation.
1: But this is what these people do. They see... Now, in her case, she is manipulating people, and she recognizes there's a lot of stupid self-guilt people out there, Mm -hmm. and she is using those people to better herself uh and and that's gross right that but you're right it does divide the country people like her are the divisionists in the country
0: some ethan hatcher posted some pictures on his twitter account and he put something up there and somebody commented this is from a
1: night with wibc a night with wibc
0: and somebody commented any people of color attend abdul (laughs) is in the picture Are you kidding me? And then somebody else commented, yeah, look. Are you even looking before you speak or before you type this comment? Well,
1: don't you love the fact that
0: they're just making it about race. Well,
1: it is, and we are a, a black-owned business, right? Yes. Urban One, literally yes. Urban One. Their literal mission is to lift black voices, but I guess they're racist now too because they own all they own the company that employs us. But whatever we put out there, mm-hmm. it, see how ridiculous this is, Casey. It never stops, and it's never enough. It's never going to be good enough because you have people like her who financially are invested. She gains from in this. dividing the country. Yeah.
0: It is 11 after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Jim Jordan has come out and said that he is running for Speaker of the House. And why should he be Speaker? Well, here he tells us.
2: Paris, been great to see you. To you were on the fence the night of the ouster. What changed your mind to say, I, I want to be Speaker? You need someone who can unite the conference, and I think just as importantly, unite the conservative and Republican movement across this country. Uh, that's what I think I can do. That's why I'm running for the job. I like the job I had. Uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Chairman of the Select Committee on the Weaponization of Government doing the work there. But I do think we have to have someone who can bring our team together. I think I'm best equipped to do that. The eight people who voted in a way that I, I disagreed with, yeah.
1: we got to bring them into the fold. I think I'm best equipped to do that so that we can then go do the things we told the American people we would do for for them. Now, th- what's interesting is that was Fox News he did that interview with. Mm-hmm. Last hour, we yep. played that clip of Brian. Now, I don't know if that was Brian Kilmeade it or not. Like it sounded like him. It sounded like him. And so I'm about 87% sure that was Brian Kilmeade asking that question. It yeah. was definitely Fox News he was on, mm-hmm. who had an aneurysm over Tim Burch- with Tim Bershett, who voted to get rid of McCarthy, basically, so Jim Jordan, who I think is was kind of the preferred Gates group people, could become the speaker. And here it is. It's all lovey-dovey. Uh-huh. You notice how nice he was to him? But yeah, just, just to Michelle, like, he, he's mean to yeah. and nasty
0: to. Well, I think this happens to be that Brian Kilmeade notes that if Jim Jordan has that position, he's going to need him to come back on the show yeah, in, in, that, in future interviews.
1: These people are all full of it. And the fact that you've got, again, people like Jim Banks who were so adamant that we put McCarthy in there and that we not get rid of McCarthy. And then as soon as they do, oh, I think Jim Jordan would be fabulous. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim, if you'd have used the power and clout you had from the beginning, which is what we were advocating for, and would have not supported Kevin McCarthy, you could have had Jim Jordan in there from the beginning, and we could have avoided all this, and maybe we would be somewhere on things like government spending and inflation. I
0: thought it was really interesting in that last clip when we played uh, Timber Shat, and Brian Kilme was saying— He's only, in regards to Kevin McCarthy, he's only had nine months. And then (laughs) Bruchette was like, no, exactly. He's had nine months and multiple times let the American people down. It's time to move on. All right. 71% of people don't trust the government to prevent doomsday. This is according to a new poll. Seven and 10 say they don't think anybody will save them if the end of the world comes. Well,
1: what has the government done? That would give you any faith I mean look at the colossal Failures of government on things you know including Terrorism etc I mean uh, Why would you have any faith the fact that The government has earned no Trust now obviously there are things like Natural disasters and you know things That are beyond human control That no government could save you from but Do you have any faith that our government would respond Well to a major Look at Hawaii
0: right No and there's no I'm surprised it's not higher than look, 7 out of 10. Look
1: at East Palestine. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I would love to know who the people are who think the government would be able would to respond or help you in the case of a, another mass terrorist attack or or natural disaster or whatever because what what does the government ever do well that we go boy that was Now there's places like Florida where Ron DeSantis has from a state level handled those things efficiently, but in terms of some monumental you know, 9-11 again, heaven forbid, that word would ever be to happen. No, of course not. There's nothing the government ever does well.
0: Okay, so they're talking about this doomsday clock. It was established in 1947. A group of scientists put this together, including Albert Einstein, and it's supposed to be a barometer of the proximity to global annihilation. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about things like nuclear war, uh, a pandemic. Hey, look how they handled that. Mm -hmm. Asteroid impact. And the closer the hands are to midnight, the closer we presumably are to a doomsday scenario. So out of all of these things, I mean, a real cataclysmic event, we've already had one. We've already had the pandemic. You mentioned Hawaii, you know, we've already had these events. So why does anybody think the government is going to (laughs) <laughs> gonna be there to help yeah to do anything good for you
1: all right hey casey when mm-hmm. we come back there was a win for the little guy mm-hmm. big bad in dot cried uncle and the wilson's farm market uh building looks like it's gonna stay
0: it's kendall and casey on 93 wibc after 11 it's Kendall and KC on 93 WIBC so indot has withdrawn its interest to claim eminent domain over the land of a beloved Hamilton County grocery store. We're talking about the Wilson Farm Market.
1: Okay, so INDOT had come in and was attempting to use INDOT as the Indiana Department of Transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the absolute worst organizations you could possibly imagine to ever work with. I know I was forced to do it many times as an elected official. Uh, and every time I had to deal with those guys, I felt like I was in an episode of The Sopranos. I mean, it was just awful. The inefficiencies of INDOT, et cetera. I mean, just look no further than the fact that no matter how many times they raise your gas taxes and all these other various taxes, there's just never enough money and the roads never get fixed. But whatever, not part of this conversation. They were attempting to execute what is called eminent domain, mm-hmm. which is a legal process by which the government can, now they have to pay you, air quote, fair market value <laughs> for your land, <laughs> it or but they can come in and take it. Now, Indiana, to its credit, does have better rules than other states on eminent domain it has to be for a public infrastructure project like there are some states where famously hey a developer wanted to build a casino there and the government thought from a tax perspective it'd be better so they confiscated the land through eminent domain for the developer you can't do that here it's got to be for public infrastructure projects now that's very wide what you can deem mm-hmm. public infrastructure etc and this beloved farmer's market said, no, we're not interested in selling, and we're going to fight you on this imminent domain, and we have had, I believe we've done multiple segments on this, uh, including having Donald Rainwater on the show, we'll get to him in a second, uh, about the just public outcry mm-hmm. over, there's a million different ways you can accomplish what you want to accomplish, you're taking the easy way out, and you're going to deprive these people of the ability to earn a living as they see fit on their own land, and it appears NDOT has cried uncle and given up.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, Indot said, we, we've we heard the community loud and clear. They want the building to stay. Well, of course, the building's been there for, what, 40 plus yes. years now?
1: Yes. It's a f- long-time family-owned mm-hmm. land and building and family-owned business. Have and, you ever been there? Uh, I've been past it many times, yes. If yep. you're heading up to Kokomo, you mm-hmm. go right past it on your, your way. Well, they 31. used to have a
0: big ear of corn out front, and yeah. I, I stopped once and got some food and some snacks and treats and took a picture next to the big corn. well
1: look these family farms and family-owned farming related businesses uh are few and far between we have seen the lust and vigor with which lockdown mcgee is gobbling up farmland in boone county it sounds like lafayette is going to be his next mm-hmm. uh victim of him poaching farmland for his big business buddies and once the farmland is gone you can't you can't unhouse it, or you can't unconcrete it. Take and
0: paradise and put up a parking lot. Right,
1: and it's gone. And we, we need to seriously need be having conversations uh, in this state and in others on how we feed a nation. Once these farmlands go away, you know, I famously years ago when I owned my radio station, had a lady who did a community affairs show, and she'd close every show with "Thank your farmer. No farm, no food." And the older I get, the more I appreciate that, mm-hmm. and the more I realize how true that is. And uh, this is a, a minor victory in a very large game that we're losing on a daily basis, but at least this is one minor area we can celebrate for, yeah. one, for a day or two.
0: Yeah, I guess in Dot, they were planning to replace the farm market with a cul de sac. And now instead, they're going to maybe put the cul de sac next to the farm market. The farm market talked about maybe they'll move across the street, but they're not getting torn down. The
1: farmer's market should make that choice. It is their land. And look, there are, there are, this is very, very rare, but there are occasionally, occasionally, in a public infrastructure project that is so vitally important to the community as a whole that you would absolutely have to do eminent domain, but that should be so rare and so far between. And as someone who did many, many infrastructure projects and always able to, was able to avoid eminent domain, that is should be an absolute last resort. And in the case of this thing with Wilson Farm Market, Indot's admitted there's different ways they can do this project mm-hmm. without having to take that farm land. Now, let's talk about who was on the side of the people here, Casey. And I could be wrong, and if someone can point me to evidence to the contrary, I will gladly come on and say, no, 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 I missed this. But not one of the Republican candidates for governor that I'm aware did anything Mm -hmm. to help these people. You know who did have a big rally and a big event and was there and gave of his time and his effort and and got people to go in support of these people? Donald Donald Rainwater, the Libertarian. Mm -hmm. Not one Republican that I'm aware of lifted a finger to help these people. It was the Libertarian who stood up, and I think that should really be in the forefront of everybody's mind. Now, if somebody can point me to, oh, no, 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 Curtis Hill did blah, 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 then please let me know and we'll want to talk about it. But the rally... The whole the big event that they had mm-hmm. wasn't highlighted or headlined by a Republican. It was headlined by a libertarian.
0: Yeah. Scott Wilson of the Wilson Farm Market said, The sun's gonna rise tomorrow. I'm gonna open up. We'll adapt as we've always done, whether it's COVID or getting our road cut off, we'll adapt. So I mean, you know, hey, they keep fighting, don't they?
1: Well, good for them. And I'm mm-hmm. happy they won and uh and great. What are we doing next?
0: Do you want to talk about Dick Buckus really quick? Oh Hall sure. Hall of Famer linebacker for the Chicago Bears passed away at the age of eighty. Uh, the ultimate bear. Yeah. Right? Uh, lots of tributes pouring in. Um, so he was pretty much a Bears legend. Yes. Pro uh, Football Hall of
1: Famer. Yes. Uh, probably one of the two greatest linebackers of all time. Some people will say Lawrence Taylor. Those two kind of get inter- intertwined. And But uh, Dick Butkus kind of almost one of those guys who became larger in larger in life after playing because the legacy of him grew certainly as they have created rules that have taken violence out of the national football league mm-hmm. dick butkus was a center at illinois and then became a defensive player with the chicago bears was a phenomenal uh obviously conversion and just a all, by all accounts while he was Mean as hell on the football field. A tremendous guy. uh, Later starred in television shows. Mm -hmm. Was a part of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. And like I said, one of those guys whose legend grew over time and just uh, very sad, uh, all, by all accounts, he died peacefully in his sleep.
0: Yeah, uh, many people say he was uh, Chicago's son, monster of the midway, but isn't that what you want? You want him to be tough as nails yeah. on the field, but then in real life, you want him to be a nice person and he seemed to be. And just a, a personal note, I, I, I texted you last night. Yes. The dude was practically crying over it. Um, the very last tweet that Dick Buckus ever liked.
1: Yes, was your husband's. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he was pretty proud of himself How for that.
0: It is 1128. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 W.I.B.C. Good morning. 1132. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 W.I.B.C. So Trump wants the trial paused while he appeals the judge's ruling. This is in regards to that civil fraud trial. Uh, it's a, what, $250 million fraud trial, and now they're arguing over how much his property in Florida is really valued at.
1: Give or get us like a surprise bill in the mail, Casey, that maybe you, uh, for whatever reason, just weren't expecting and- can you imagine if it was $250 million? <laughs> Hello.
0: Well, that's you, a little bit more than we budgeted for.
1: You, you owe us $250 million. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Uh, so Joe Rogan was uh, roasting the attorney general about this case. As people are arguing, uh, you say $18 million, uh, it's 20 acres. It's a little bit more than that.
1: Well, so keep in mind, the this the centers around Trump inflating, allegedly, his net worth and they centers around her saying he inflated his net worth to get loans and and for various projects etc. But again and let me be as clear as I can on this there is no person that has come forward and said Donald Trump has not fulfilled his obligation as a term of the loan.
0: It's not the banks
1: that are filing this. No, the banks. give
0: us our money.
1: It's not like this is an American greed episode where Mm -hmm. Donald Trump has swindled, you know, thousands of people and people are left holding the bag and he's on a, you know, a plane to a non-extradition country somewhere. There is no person who has alleged that they have been harmed based on the agreement they made with Donald Trump, which which lends to what he has said. This is a total political witch hunt.
0: Yeah, it's a victimless crime. And, well, you know who, who the real uh, victim is in all of this? Who
1: is that? It's Letitia James. Yeah, oh, of course. Yes, <laughs> absolutely.
0: she doesn't like him, so she's got to be victimized.
1: Well, and, you know, somebody made an interesting point. Why is the state even involved in this? The state is not has not been harmed the attorney general is the chief law enforcement officer for the state of fill in the blank Mm -hmm. the state was not involved to my knowledge in any of these deals with donald trump the state has not been harmed in any shape form or fashion by donald trump so i don't understand how the state is involved in this anyway period nobody is i've yet to hear an explanation on that, obviously, in these these uh, pr- court proceedings, rule of law and sanity doesn't always win out.
0: OK, so we're at the point where the justice system doesn't even try to hide its corruption. Let's uh, let's take a listen to Joe Rogan's
1: take. He said it was worth between $300 and 700 million dollars. And uh, they were saying that it's worth 18 million. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's like they don't even try to pretend.
1: Yeah. Like why, if, why does no one the trust guy, the mainstream? If the guy says his house is worth a billion dollars, right? Yeah. And then you come along and say, no, 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 it's worth like eight hundred million. Forbes says it's worth as much as seven hundred million. We'll call it seven hundred million. Now you got a reasonable argument. Yeah. But if you say eighteen million, like you got to know that's like a palace. <laughs> that place is a palace. It's twenty acres. Get and- the f- out of here. This is great. You can't do that. That's like too obvious. That you're just you don't give a. F- about the truth. So it's
0: 20 acres, 128 rooms, over 110,000 square feet has 58 bedrooms, 33 bathrooms. It has beach. I mean, the beach alone, if there was nothing on that property. But there's it's a huge palace. Beachfront property.
1: And look, people are who have applied for it now, obviously they don't apply for the sort of loans that Trump applies for, but if you've applied for a car loan or a home loan, certainly many people hearing our voices know that process in which the bank, the lender guy or girl is like prodding you you know, hey, don't you have any other assets? You got a television, right? That's worth something. They want, they're prodding you because they want to give you the loan. They're prodding you to, you know, how much do you think your car's worth? You know, maybe it's, you know, $7,000, $8,000. Oh no, cars have really increased in value these days. What kind is it? A 2016, whatever? Oh, that's probably worth at least 10 grand. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is like commonplace. It's not meant to be manipulative or deceptive. The bank is interested in giving you the money. The lender wants to lend you the money because usually they make a commission or whatever. And so they know how their underwriters are going to look at things. And the underwriters most of the time are winking and nodding along with them. And again, I come back to nobody's been harmed here. What's the problem?
0: It cost a million dollars just to for the upkeep on that place. Yes, that I ex- mean, $18 million is like a down payment and, for And don't
1: it. forget, the, one of the reasons, unlike with you, where they just want whatever commission might be associated with the loan or however they pay out. With Trump, they wanted to give him these loans because being associated with Trump mm-hmm. made it more likely that they would get other high-profile it's business deals. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They were invested in being in business with Donald Trump because of the future clientele that that would bring to them.
0: It is 1137. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about Nikki Haley. We haven't mentioned her in a few days. I thought for sure she would come out and have a lot to say about the Speaker of the House situation. Relatively quiet on it. But she is now surging in another poll in second place, but this is strictly in New Hampshire.
1: So... uh, It is interesting how Ron DeSantis has, I guess we just say at this point, I mean, look, if you haven't moved the needle Mm -hmm. now, we we, we preface by saying that Iowa is its own animal and there are all sorts of stories where underdogs or people that were distantly back. Have come from behind late and somehow magically win Iowa, and people go, "What in the world was that?" So we preface by saying all this, but in terms of national movement, mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis is just—it's just not it. It's not going to happen. Like if it hasn't happened, we are to—we're uh, nearing mid-October, and if you have not moved the needle by mid-October, you're just not resonating. And it's a mixture of things. It is. He hasn't been a great candidate and been horrible, but he hasn't been great.
0: There's uh, been some mistakes like, yeah, like the whole uh, Twitter yeah but every, 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 when he first launched. Look,
1: every, everybody's going to have those mistakes, Casey. He's not Rick Perry where he forgets the names of organizations or having an oops moment, or he's not Fred Thompson where he looks like he's asleep every time he's up there. Mm-hmm. It is. He just hasn't connected. And I think a big part of it is Trump is just so far ahead and people are just so locked in on Trump. That I'm not sure anybody could. So as a result, I think you've seen people begin to look, well, if DeSantis isn't the alternative, then we got to find somebody else. And Nikki Haley kind of seems like the default next person Mm -hmm. up.
0: Okay, so this was a USA Today, Boston Globe, Suffolk poll. So they've got Trump in for f- first place, followed by Nikki Haley. She's at uh, sitting at 19%. And then it is Ron DeSantis, who's at 10%. And then everybody else. But my question is, okay, you're saying that Ron DeSantis isn't connecting. He's still in it, though. He's still working. What about someone like Mike Pence, who's sitting at 2%, yet he's... Back in Iowa today.
1: Well, I mean, look, Pence, P- Pence, and the gravy train brigade. No, mm-hmm. this is the. This is like you know. The, this is the last the farewell tour for the gravy train brigade, because Mike Pence will be done in politics once he loses here and he won't be able to, because he's loathed by much of Indiana. He won't be able to come back here and be a Senator or a Congressman or anything like that. So this is it for him. So they're going to milk this through Iowa. And then once he loses Iowa badly, then he'll have to get out and that'll be, that'll be it. Uh, they, here's what was interesting to me in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Christie, had kind of He's lived there, basically. He yeah. has said, I'm not participating in Iowa. I'm going to live in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be the alternative to Trump. No, you're not the alternative to Trump, because Nikki Haley has clearly become, mm-hmm. in New Hampshire, the alternative to Donald Trump, if this poll is to be believed. You're not even the alternative to the alternative to Trump, because <laughs> DeSantis is still way ahead of you, and he's really not even trying that hard in, in New Hampshire. So, mm-hmm. apparently, just banking your whole thing on, I'm going to destroy Trump, isn't going that well for Christy.
0: No, uh, definitely not. But Nikki Haley said that she was going to to earn every vote in New Hampshire, and she's been doing it the longest. So, I mean, she was the first one to announce. So it, it, something is finally working with her. She has some strong performances in both debates, although many people said that Ron DeSantis won the second debate. She was probably second in that look, debate.
1: Look, here's what's going to happen, Casey. So Iowa's going to take place first either Trump's going to win Iowa overwhelmingly and then this, people like DeSantis are probably done and Nikki Haley is probably done because Trump will probably then win New Hampshire overwhelmingly or someone like DeSantis, who seems like the most logical one based on how the voting's done and the fact that organization's such a big deal, could either shock you and win Iowa or come very close and then whoever that person is becomes the alternative to Trump and and then we'll see what happens in New Hampshire. It's just such an... In sur- it seems like an insurmountable lead at this point. Like we are to mid-October. The guy has been charged with all sorts of things. The guy is in civil trial for all sorts of things. The guy – like if that is not breaking you from Trump, what what will? Yeah, nothing will. Uh, right? Point. Yeah. I, I, I don't agree with it. You know my opinion on mm-hmm. it. I think Trump is – did not govern like a conservative. He's not going to govern like a conservative the next time. You're not going to see much different change from term one to term two. But clearly the Republican Party or people who intend to vote in Republican primaries are intent to give themselves another shot at Donald Trump right now. It is
0: 1143. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Powerball jackpot rocketing to $1.4 billion. This is the world's seventh largest ever prize. 11-week no-win streak. Okay, it's getting to the level now where I'm paying attention. Yeah. And isn't that saying something that we have to get to $1.4 billion before I'm like, okay, maybe I'll I'll cough up two bucks.
1: But why? What like let's say when it was five hundred million, mm-hmm. you you had plans for all five hundred mil ski. <laughs> like you said, ah, that's not worth my two dollars. But yeah. but that one point four bill, yeah, yeah, sign me up for that, that, sister.
0: So odds of winning are one in two hundred and ninety two million. But you know it, it's like those odd times like now that you you don't play. And that's when you could have won. Okay. So now that it's that big,
1: yeah. So, I'm let, in. so let's play this out, Casey. Let's
0: you you want to do the taxes on well, this? Well, no,
1: no, no. I was just, I just was just wondering if you would believe those odds and you thought, okay, those are actually the odds, and I could follow through. Wouldn't I mean, two hundred ninety-two million to mm-hmm. make after taxes, it would probably be at least five hundred million. That would be a pretty good investment, wouldn't it?
0: no the odds are 1 in 292 million so i'm saying
1: if you bought the prize
0: is 1.4 billion i know
1: but that's what i'm saying casey if you bought 292 million tickets by that standard yeah according to the odds if you believed that Mm -hmm. then if after taxes you let's say you took home at least 500 million it would who knows? After taxes, take home what they take out, etc. But if that were indeed the way it went, you'd make like two hundred eight million dollars. Can I get a loan? Can I can I get some of those Trump Trump uh, lender people to give me two hundred ninety two million dollars? You'd,
0: you'd want to be my friend, wouldn't you? You'd be like all sidling up. Hey, Casey, how are you? Hey, before we get uh, to Susan Beckwith and our Mind Your manner segment, which is going to be about movie etiquette. Oh, how exciting! I wanted to bring this up. I saw this new. New data suggesting that revenge travel may be ending soon. So revenge travel oh, was yeah. a, a phrase that was kind of coined right after COVID, uh, when things started to open back up again. Even if you couldn't afford it or whatever the case was, people were going on trips. Yeah. They were saying, I don't care. I got to get out of here. Right. Yeah. We've been locked up. Yeah. Well, now they're saying revenge travel. Uh, it, it's starting to slow down. mean we
1: might get back to reasonable prices on stuff?
0: No, let's hope so, because it is the prices. That are keeping people from doing the traveling. Susan Beckwith is going to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93WIBC. Somewhere, but you know what we like to do on Fridays? We like to give you a little bit of etiquette so as you head into the weekend, you behave yourselves and you're a good, proper person. And joining us on the line, we have Susan Beckwith, who is our modern-day Emily Post, right? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You know, Susan, I was watching TV uh, the other night, and a commercial came on, and it was for the movie... The Exorcist. And the commercial alone scared me. So there's no way I would ever (laughs) be going to see this movie in the theater. Do you like scary movies? Is that a thing that's in your wheelhouse? No,
2: I do not care for scary movies. (laughs) Uh, I love a good rom-com. In (laughs) fact, Mike and I were talking a little bit about this week's topic. And I asked him, I said, you know, what is your favorite movie? I mean, we've been together 21 years and married for 16 and I think I knew, but I wanted to really make sure, so he said his was The Patriot mm. and I said, well, I, I usually <laughs> the movies I like probably have a lot less conviction. I love a good rom-com. I Sweet Home Alabama is one I can watch on repeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you?
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm with you. I like more of a light-hearted movie and I prefer to watch uh, movies over and over and over again. The scary <laughs> movies? No, I'm out. And I think the last movie that I saw in the theater was Oppenheimer, and then I went and saw Barbie the next day. I did the, you know, Barbenheimer thing. Um, what about you? Do you go to the theater often?
2: I love to go to the movies. Do you? say, With having children, we get there far less. I mm-hmm. think the last one that I saw in the theater was the the Top Gun Remake maverick, mm-hmm. I think was the name. I yep. loved it. Um but I we don't go nearly as often, but I, I love to go and really enjoy. It. I know Rob said he doesn't go ever. I think he said like once in the last eight years. That really surprised me. No,
0: oh, that sounds right to me. You know, he doesn't want to pay for the movie ticket or the snacks at the concession stand either.
2: That's my favorite part of the whole movie experience is all the junk food.
0: The big bucket of popcorn. All
2: right. Well, sometimes when you go
0: to a movie, it can be not a good experience based on what the people around you are doing and how others are behaving. So how about we go through some movie theater etiquette?
2: I love it. Okay, so a couple quick things just to remember saving seats. Now, I don't know if this one is as relevant because now I believe you can go on and pick your seat as yeah. in, a, in advance. Mm-hmm. So I know that's changed a little bit, although for those listeners that are on the uh, in Tipton, we love to visit the Diana. So it's an old one uh, screen theater, and that is definitely not the case. So there are still, I'm sure, some places where this is applicable, but it's okay to save one seat, but it is rude to save an entire row. Oh, yeah. You know, Yes. So, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you know, take up seats, especially for people that may not even show up and don't have, you know, they're not courteous enough to even get there on time. Now, the exception to that would be if you have a large family. You know, if you, if they're in line getting concessions and you have four or five kiddos, um, you know, you can save them for a, a period of time. Um, but outside of that, you really, one seat is you know kind of the
0: standard. I I can't even think of a movie besides maybe Barbie, Oppenheimer and as you mentioned Top Gun Maverick that is selling out theaters. Like that's is that even really a problem that you won't no. get the seat you want or are you talking about you want to have the good center row seat.
2: Right, exactly. So if you if that would be you, you make the the right point there as, as far as if you're going to take up premium seats mm-hmm. and, you know, you have people that are not there on time they're you know, potentially don't even show up or are not going to show up or show up late. You know, you really want to be respectful of others and give them an opportunity to have those great seats.
0: Okay. What else do we need to know about going to the movie theater?
2: Okay, so sharing the armrest. This one is always a little bit tricky, and there's really not a right or wrong way to do this. Uh, You just don't want to take over both sides. So the best thing to do is just kind of watch the body language of the guest that's next to you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of be aware of that. And, you know, if they happen to remove their arm and you feel comfortable to go ahead and start using it, that is totally okay. So you're saying pick
0: one, but you don't get both correct. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay. (laughs) All right. And here's another one that will never be all that relevant to myself. If you are a tall individual, you want to be sensitive to the fact that there are, you know, maybe smaller folks sitting behind you. So maybe try to choose a seat that's a little further back in the auditorium. Um, Also, again, with the hat wearing, we've covered that in a couple different uh, segments, but be be sure to also remove hats so you're not blocking view. Uh, someone's view but if you're taller you know be courteous and maybe think about those that are shorter than than you.
0: (laughs) Now I'm sure that there is, see now this is one of the reasons why I prefer to watch movies at home so I can pause it when I need to go but I'm sure that there is bathroom break etiquette in the movie theater.
2: Yes. So ideally, you know, you should go prior to the movie <laughs> and take care of that. However, you know, if you don't think that you're going to make it, if hey, it's a really nature film, calls, right? Yeah, exactly. That does happen. You want to select a seat that's, you know, on, if you think that could happen, don't choose something in the middle of the row, you know, stick close to the outside aisle there. <laughs> but I will say, as I was <laughs> preparing, For this week's segment, I learned something new that may uh, be helpful, that there are actually apps that you can download Mm -hmm. and you can check it out before the movie starts so you don't have your cell phone out during um, the film. But it'll tell you when the best time to go for a bathroom break so you don't end up missing anything. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they tell you this is kind of a lull in the action. This is when you want to go potty if you have to do that. So if if you know that you have a small bladder, take an outside seat and then... Do a little research in advance to know when you should go.
2: Yes, absolutely. I was really surprised to to hear that. So it's amazing technology, mm-hmm. <laughs> what it brings about. So um, very good. As far as uh, maybe the last one to kind of hit on, you know, I have seen people do this. So it is something that I um, am passionate about, just saying, you know what, it's always good to clean up after yourself. They do have a crew that comes in you know, to try to tidy up. but A lot of times there is not a lot of time in between films. So, you know, do your part to make sure that you are not leaving any empty popcorn containers or uh, soda, you know, uh, any cups, you know, just to really do your part in trying to keep it Tidy and clean for those that are coming in after you.
0: All right. All wonderful stuff. Susan Beckwith, thank you so much for this uh, movie theater etiquette. And where can people find more information about you and what do you have going on?
2: Wonderful. Yes. You can get in touch with me through my website, which is Belle of the Midwest. Um, Bell has an e on the end, like mm-hmm. Southern Bell. <laughs> and really, if you're wanting to see, uh, I have a lot of great blog posts on my website. It's also a place where you can submit questions. But if you're wanting to see regular content, uh, my Facebook page is. Um, we're you know adding something new every single day, so be sure to like and follow if you don't already.
0: Well, thank you very much for this. This is great. If you're planning on going to a movie over the weekend, make sure you listen to Susan Beckwith so you don't distract the other people in the theater. And that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you back here on Monday. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.